Christmas falls. Do you like music? I sure do. How about Christmas? You like that? I love Christmas time. Put those two things together. You got a magic holiday Christmas concert featuring Amber McLean. The third annual Amber McLean Christmas concert is taking place at the Station Theater right here in Smith Falls, December 3rd and 4th. What better way to get in the spirit than to head on out and hear Amber sing some pretty Christmas songs with her pretty voice in a real live music setting, whatever you celebrate. It's a time to celebrate. It is uh, it is masks on and, and all other COVID uh, protocols being uh, being followed, of course. But it's uh, it's full capacity. You can buy your tickets at ticketsplease.ca. Ticketsplease.ca. You can buy your tickets online. Reserve your seat. Take your pick out of the uh, out of the many seats in the beautiful Soft Cedar Station Theater in Smith Falls. We are bringing you that show with the help and support and our big thanks to say to bakery this show would not be happening without their support as well howard kelford and dubois barristers and solicitors right here in smith falls helping you with all of your legal needs with additional support from the town of smith falls on the roll program and from the arts hub and that's not all the music on the show today we have mr rob kerr If you have been out to Bowie's open stage or new music nights before, you may have run into Rob before. Rob lives over just over in North Gower. That's North North Gower, folks, not North Gower, as some people say. Get it right, North Gower. He lives over there in a 160-year-old farmhouse out there, him and his guitar writing songs. And he is going to be with his band, the show, Rob Kerr and the show, at Bowie's this Friday. This Friday, that's like tomorrow, folks, when this episode is dropping. He dropped in on Tuesday uh, to talk about his show and and so much more. We're going to start off this episode with a track of Rob's. This song is called What Do I Do Now? We're going to check it out and right after that we're going to jump right into my combo with Mr. Rob Kerr. Standing in a downpour I can feel the lightning strike October rain has found me On this gravel road tonight Not a car I see is stopping And the team lights in the dark Into the distance, it's never been this hard. It's never been this hard. So, what do I do now? Do I turn and walk away? Do I stay and find it out? Do I bend or do I break? What do I do now? Leave it all behind me Wait for you to find me We'll stay and work it out What do I do now? Oh, my 
So welcome to the podcast, Rob. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And uh, I mean, this marks a first for me. As yeah. I was mentioning on our phone conversation, I usually only have people from Smith's Falls, but you are from Smith's Falls in a way. Technically. you told me you're born here. Yeah. yeah. I spent my first three years here. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And then, and then you're not that far away. No, I, I moved to Ottawa at that point. Then I've been all around it. I traveled yeah. all around Canada. I'm settled up in a 160-year-old farmhouse in North Florida. I saw that. I saw you post that. What was that? That was that was post-COVID that you made that move or pre-COVID? No, during COVID. During COVID. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I lost. I was living in Ottawa. I had this great place in Ottawa. Yeah. It was great. And I lost that place. Yeah. Uh, my landlord died. The family inherited the house. And they're like, eh, we want to sell the house. Yeah. Get out. And how's that going? I love it out there. Yeah. I'll I love bet. it. Yeah. Do some love good it. songwriting out there. Yeah. Yeah. I'll yeah. Bet. Yeah. We've got, we've got a jam space set up right in our, we've got two living rooms. So yeah. one of them is just like a straight up jam space. Yeah, and then perfect. upstairs we've got a little studio as well. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, I mean, I know a little bit about you. Okay. So what I know about you is that my wife came home from working Bowie's one night, told me about you. Said there's this guy, Rob can't remember his last name right now. Rob, Rob. So we looked it up. It was Rob Kerr. And she told me that you brought the house down hmm. at Bowie's. And then we watched one of your music videos. And I quite liked that. That was, uh, I think it was, uh, What Do I Do Now? Is that yeah. the name of the song? Yeah. 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 Is it North who shot that for you? Yeah. North and I actually uh, co-wrote that tune. Nice. Yeah. yeah. It, awesome. it was an actual event that happened. It was awful. It was a uh, Awful breakup. Yeah. Um, but it turned out to be something beautiful, you know. Yeah. I, I, I took it for a breakup song. I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't entirely sure. It's sort of, yeah. it's one of those songs that's pretty broad and, mm -hmm. and universal and open to the interpretation, but certainly, certainly a song that, that really frames the, well, the sentiment of the title, right? What do I do now? Yeah. You know, what, yeah. what do I do? Where do I go? Sort of that feeling of, 
mm-hmm. bewilderment and, and and not knowing what move to to next make. Yeah, yeah, I know North. Uh, Amber already mentioned she's in a songwriting collective with North, uh, the neat. collaborators. Okay, so I met North. Uh, we were on a trip up to Ottawa, and since he's a uh, area, he came over to he met up with Amber at my parents' place. That was probably about six seven years ago. At this point, great guy. Yeah, he's a great songwriter. Great guy. He's one of my best friends. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I uh, when he, when we first moved to town too, I had to book some. Uh, one of the first gigs I got was booking musicians for a, a small festival here in town. He was uh, one of the first people I called up, and he came and did All that right. for me about three years ago. Rise Yoga Festival. Okay. Neat. Back when we were still doing festivals, but I think we're gonna have them again. I think oh, maybe next summer I'm, at least. I'm just waiting for the application process yeah. time to. To open up, you know? Yeah. I think that's yeah. about now, isn't yeah, it? it should yeah, be, yeah. it's usually about now. Yeah. I, yeah, I got to get morning. on the horn about that too. Amber was supposed to play some uh, couple festivals that she got asked to do. Oh, yeah. That's And nice. then COVID hit. And uh, so we have rain checks on these festivals. I got to follow up on those rain checks. Mm-hmm. Those COVID checks. Amber has a Christmas show coming. She does. Yes. 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 Yeah. We, the, the podcast here is actually presenting the show. Oh, that's great. Neat. Yeah. December 3rd, December 4th, Station Theater, full capacity. Wow. Masks yeah. on. Yeah. Vaccine passports and that whole shebang. But uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, ho- I'm, I hope it's full capacity. I hope we don't get hit like a week before the show with, with a warning that we're you not allowed know. to do that anymore. Because then I'll be like, what do I do now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I hope that doesn't happen. It, I don't, I don't, I don't know, but I, I, I was booked for gigs and then they got canceled yeah, and I was yeah. booked for gigs and then I got canceled. Yeah, I think there's no ruling anything out, but I think that it's going to be hard for them to try and claw anything back again. It's like 90% vaccines. We're getting more for the kids soon. Yeah. We know the protocols. We're following them. We're doing your vaccine passport. Like, just let us let us live our lives, kind of thing. I, th- I think is the general sentiment, but uh, we will see. I guess. Yeah, some of it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of the stuff that you think is logical, it turns out it isn't. Yeah, we're all shooting from the hip here, aren't we? I never thought in my lifetime this would happen. I, I always thought, well, there's the chance of something yeah. big meteor crashing into Earth or a pandemic or something. But yeah, well, you, you don't really think it's going to happen. In I heard an interesting take on it the other day, where somebody was, I can't remember who was telling me this or bringing it to light for me, but it was it was basically going on about how you know historically, about every hundred years we have a major pandemic. Yeah, sometimes more major than others, but it's about a hundred years. But that the only reason it's been a hundred years since the last one like this, that, that everybody references the Spanish flu, I believe is the one 1918 or, yeah. or something like that. The only reason that it was, it, it appears like that, like it has those optics now is because of vaccines that is really over the 20th century with globalization and, and industrialization and population explosion and the baby boom in the 50s and all that, that and, and mass, mass urbanization, that we actually would have had way more because measles would have been one and polio kind of was one, would have been a much worse one. Yeah. You know, even just all, all these other things that came out, but we, had, we made vaccines for them mm-hmm. and we stopped them because yeah. of vaccines. And if it weren't for vaccines in general, we would have like 
this would have been like an every decade thing for us because our population is so big. We're so tight together. We travel around the world so much more. Airplanes, planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah. We've only had any of those for like really effectively the past century. Mm -hmm. And all that connectedness and and, and travel. World world travel. Yeah. Yeah. Getting it to all corners, right? Mm-hmm. And vaccines are the only reason. And, and it's just that this one just exploded faster than the vaccines could catch up, really. I don't know if I'm right or not, but I, I thought that they had been or heard that they had been working on this vaccine since SARS. Like it, it, it is a respiratory thing that's similar to SARS, but. There's definitely a certain amount of truth to that. From what I've read, it's like they haven't been working necessarily on this vaccine. That's right. Yeah. yeah. But they've been working on the technology behind mm-hmm. this vaccine. And they've been studying coronaviruses, which of which there are many, mm-hmm. since SARS, because of SARS-1, and this is SARS-2. It's very, very close genetically. Yeah. Not close enough to respond to the vaccine that would have worked for SARS-1, um, but close enough in, in its you know, cellular biology and, and viral DNA that you know, it's, it's not like they're just going from blank here. They have a, they have a lot of info on coronaviruses, how they work, how they operate and, mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. Let's rewind a little bit. Like I said, I know that you played Bowie's. I know you're playing Bowie's again when this yeah. Friday. Yeah, this Friday. Yeah. That's November uh, 19th. The, November 19th. Yeah. Friday, November 19th, folks. New music night at Bowie's. If you haven't been to Bowie's, go. And if you haven't been to Bowie's on Friday, that is new music night. It's uh, there's no cover. There's a suggested, highly suggested donation worth every penny. If you got five bucks in your pocket, pay five. You got ten. It's suggested ten. So aim for ten. But if you can't, give what you can. And if you just you know you really did really good that week, then you give a little more. Maybe I, I would be just happy that people are there. You know. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Come out, hear some music. So you're playing with a band this Friday. I am. I put together a band during COVID. Yeah. The show. The show. Rob Kerr and the show. Rob Kerr that, and the that's show. That's the name, right? Rob yeah. Kerr and the show. Yeah, there's the show. Nice. I'm Rob. Tell me about your your, your history. Like you've been, you, how long you been at this music thing? Well, I've been playing music for uh, oh, 41 years. Yeah. Uh, I started when I was really young, but I I started playing shows in my early 20s. I was 20, I think, when I first started getting out there and started yep. playing. And was that, that was Rob Kerr back then or, yeah, or in a different band or no, some punk rock outfit? Or? No, I've always been an acoustic guy. Yeah. I've always played acoustic. Yeah. Uh, I had uh, one electric guitar in my teens. Yeah. Rarely played it. I, I, I was in a band called Kerr for a yep. little while. Yeah. Um, but that was short-lived. Um, I was a band called Silver. Uh, we did the soundtrack of a zombie movie or two. Yeah. It was fun rock and roll stuff, but... Uh, really gigging for the last twenty five years. Yeah, nice. And mm. what was your what what got you into music? What what brought you into it to oh. begin with? Well, my my mom's a an author, uh-huh. a published author, and my dad is a musician and songwriter. So I was around it. Yeah, you know, uh, Just sort of permeated into yeah. you growing up. My whole family. My brother's a musician, yeah. punk, punk rock guy. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I, I just. I breathe music. Yeah. Uh, I'm playing every day, hours every day. Yeah. So when did you uh, first pick up a guitar? I was 15, uh, really, when I decided I'm going to play guitar. There yeah. was always guitars in my house, yeah. so I played them when I was a kid, but didn't really jump into it. Yeah. I played piano uh, and trumpet when I was younger. Cool. 
Yeah. So, yeah, I really started focusing on guitar and singing, I guess, at that time, uh, right around 15, 16. Yeah, so thought, it was, this it was is guitar and singing girls. right off the hop, not, yeah. not guitar and then singing? Uh, well, I guess I always sang, Yeah, but it was easier to sing songs with a guitar than it yeah, was. Yeah, of course. Something to keep you in line. That's right. I know a lot of people who, who identify as singers who play guitar who, who will say stuff like, uh, I, I only play guitar, so I have something to sing to. Uh, yeah. Um, that, that's a little bit of the truth with me. I, I mean, to play, but... Uh, I'll, I'll play just instrumental stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. it really was so I could sing. And you can certainly write a song, my friend. Mm-hmm. Thanks. So when did that start for you? Uh, right at the same time. Yeah. 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 I was always already writing instrumental stuff on the piano. I started doing that right away too, writing when I was little. But yeah, I was, I was writing and singing and putting songs together. Yeah. Yeah. And how, how does that happen for you? I mean, everybody has their, their, different processes yeah what's that look like for you so we talked about north earlier mm-hmm. and i've been i've been working with north for well we've been friends for 25 years but been writing with him a while lately and i do that because i he's got a very particular style that if he has something to say you can see it when when you hear the song it's it's all painted out for you yeah me i'm a little bit more of like an abstract guy yeah i i do something that's sort of like automatic writing okay where uh i write a whole bunch of words down and uh they're like from my subconscious mind yeah and then i put them together to music and often they don't make sense when i'm doing it Mm -hmm. but they turn out either i'm writing about something that's about to happen or something subconsciously that i'm saying in a different way you know yeah yeah is that how you write all your songs or is that how is that what you gravitate towards um that's where i'm most comfortable yeah but I, I do I do write with other people as well, so mm-hmm. it's it's not always like that. That's a very personal thing. Yeah. It's my subconscious mind that's putting out those words. It's yeah. hard for other people maybe to relate if they actually know what I'm saying. But it's it's the way that I write mostly. Yeah. Um, or like I'll pick up a guitar and have a riff and and just start mumbling. Yeah. And see what comes out of that. Record that and find out what those mumbles sound like. Yeah. And then take those from. It's also your subconscious mind, I think. Yeah. Uh, so you're, you're you say you're co-writing a lot these days. Would you say? Um, trying, trying. How's that There's been a, over the pandemic? Have you had to like? Have you done any like Skype writing sessions or, or well, some MP3s back and forth? Or yes, uh, not as much as I should have. Moving out, like uh, I moved to the farm in January, and we haven't had internet at the farm right uh, this whole time. So. It becomes a little bit more difficult to do the jams and the writing and stuff that way. Yeah. But it's a lot of transferring stuff to flash drives and to yeah. people in that way. Yeah. Then we have table writing sessions. People come over and sit at my kitchen table and yeah. you know, the old farm kitchen. Yeah. Everybody's sitting around just writing. Those are my favorite kind of co-writes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's there. It's in the moment. There's a certain amount of, you know, well, I'll get to it mm-hmm. with, with the other way. You know, yeah. there's this sense of urgency to it that I find when I sit down for a co-writing session with somebody in person, most of the time, a few hours in when, when like our window is closed, we have a completed song, wow. you know, whereas the bouncing back and forth thing might take a week, might take a month, might take six months. Something might sit on the shelf for a long time until somebody, you know, 
feels that inspiration, you know, on, on their leisure time or gets the chance to check the last version somebody's sent back and forth and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Something about, uh, being in the hot seat that just, uh, you know, uh, the last song that that happened with me was a tune that I wrote with North, uh, I guess it's probably about six months ago. Yeah. It doesn't flow that easy for me. Yeah. Um, I'm not in a relationship that's failing right, right. now, so <laughs> right. uh, I'm not writing as much as I normally do. Um, but this song is about North traveling across Canada. Yeah. And it's called Counting the Headlights. Yeah. And uh, like lyrically, I think. It, it's one of the more sound pieces that I've had a part of writing. Nice. Now, it's not one that I play yet. Yeah. He plays it at his shows. Yeah. But it's more of a North song than a Rob Kerr song. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, they go that way sometimes. Yeah, and that's fine. I'm totally yeah. okay with that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing about being a singer-songwriter is that's the thing is songwriter is an equal part of that. Sometimes more for some people. Some people, you know, I've got a lot of songs that I've written and I'm like, I can't sing that. I love that I wrote it. I love the song, but it's not mine to sing. It's just not right. built for my, uh, not built for my voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just talking to some people on the weekend. I played uh, at the Brass Monkey in Ottawa, and uh, I might start writing for these people. Yeah, called um, it's uh, my friends Jalen Scott, Steamy Boots, Steamy Boots, Steamy Boots. They're a couple, and they're they're great together. Yeah, they sound great together. What's their uh, style? They uh, like they're top forty, folk, top forty, top forty. Nice. Yeah. Well, North is certainly a great co-writing partner. To yeah. Both to you know produce with and to 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 learn from. He's that guy's that guy's been around the block for sure. Yeah. The stuff that I've learned from him, I'm so grateful. I was talking to him this morning actually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I always have a, I always have a good time with North. He's such a nice guy. Yeah, he really is. And a lot of a lot of experience under his belt. So he just he just he knows where to go. He's the guy yeah. to have in the room. When when co-writers are are stuck somewhere, yes, yeah. he knows every trick in the book of how to, you know, pull out of a creative rut. Yeah, I'd say um, that song "Counting in Headlights." He came over one day and walked into my house and said, "We're writing a song today. We're going to finish it. We're going to have it done." And we did, and it, it it's a good tune. Yeah, um, and that "What Do I Do Now" song, mm-hmm. that tune, he pulled those lyrics out of me. It, yeah. it's my story that thing happened yeah. like like it, it's it's there's no metaphors or anything in that one that's that's yeah. the way that went down yeah and uh he did that he pulled those out of me those yeah. memories and things yeah totally what's your what's your trajectory from here what's uh what else is out there i, I guess i have about 45 songs written uh, written yeah but not recorded but not recorded and it's it's been sort of a like I'm a starving artist, yeah. you know, really. Uh, I'm paying my rent and stuff, but there's not a lot of extra stuff. And, yeah. and I've got a home studio that's great for doing demo stuff. Yeah. But to put my stuff out there, really, it's a little bit more than that. Is there like a back catalog from the past 25 years that, you know, like old CDs and stuff that, that have been retired and, and not made it onto the new newer platforms and such? Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. So you've hit the reset button a couple times? Yeah. Well, I mean... As a musician, you grow, right? Yeah. Some of those old songs are old songs and maybe immature. Yeah. So you feel like you've uh, you've outgrown yeah, some of that stuff that that, isn't, of, that is no longer available. Right. Yeah. And and like I, I've sort of 
come into my own style that wasn't there before. Yeah. That so, takes a long time sometimes. Yeah. So what is, you, you have that one song out. Is that the one song we have so far? Um, pretty much. Yeah. Um, we are recording right now, actually. Yep. Last year we did some uh, live stuff at my other place and uh, it was all the click track. Yeah. Which is nice because we're now using that as our bed. Yeah. And we just started that last week. So drums are down. Cool. Uh, the bass is being done and I'll throw my stuff in. Nice. So you're an acoustic guy, but uh, you know, how do, how does that reflect in this band setting? What uh, what kind of style are we looking at for? Uh... It's such a hard thing to answer. Yeah. Like, I, I, I kind of, I don't know what style I am. I mean, I've been called Canadiana. Yeah. Uh, I write songs about small towns in yeah. on Ontario. They've been considered as folk, but uh, I'm a little bit more growly and aggressive than folk music. Although, yeah. like, the writing side of it, maybe some of it sort of seems folky. Yeah. Um, but as far, uh, I don't really know. I, I do my, my thing. I've noticed that growl in your voice. Mm-hmm. I feel, a, I feel a bit of a kinship with that. Cause I don't know if you can hear that growl yeah, in my voice, but it's, it's there. And it's there when I sing too, cool. which is, uh, I'm from my, I can only speak for myself, but it, 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 it feels like a, feels like a blessing and a curse. Sometimes people, you know, often mm-hmm. romanticize that whole whether they call it a gravelly voice or a sandpaper voice or a gritty voice, mm-hmm. but it's loaded with all its own challenges too in, in terms yeah. of trying to sing. Yeah, it's my re- upper register. Like yeah. as soon as I get up to a certain point, there's a growl on it no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. Where did your where did your growl come from? Uh, I think my growl came from my brother. Yeah. Actually, yeah. My, my brother was, I, I was singing Richard Marx and yeah. stuff when I was younger uh pop music and such and my brother was in this cool punk rock band and they were doing things and it was and he had that growl yeah and i always wanted it and i tried and i tried and i tried and i tried and eventually it started working yeah nice Mm -hmm. see i used to sing a ton as a teenager and i didn't have the growl i was a little bit more boyish sounding and it was probably partly just age but then i got into metal and I started singing metal stuff, like, well, not not singing metal, right. growling metal. And then it was about a decade later, I got out, not fully out of metal, but kind of out of metal, started dipping my toes in the water of singing other stuff again. I was just like, oh, I can't do this anymore. Because oh. I just shredded my, shredded my throat apart. It felt like just, you know, my vocal cords were just a giant... Yeah. nodes on top of nodes yeah i hurt my voice too i yeah. i lost an octave a few years back yeah um and now i'm mostly a baritone tenor yeah you know it was uh saint patrick's day and i had the flu yeah uh, i did two shows that day and lost my voice two songs into the first yeah into the first show yeah did damage well it serves you well now because i love that yeah. in your voice yeah i think i just stay within what i can do yeah so do you do any, uh, you know, are you, in terms of singing, do you do, you, do, you do any, some of the, the stuff other singers do, vocal warm-ups, vocal? Yeah, actually, yeah. I, I, I've been doing this thing. It's just since, since uh, stuff opened up again, I've been playing almost every weekend. Yep. And uh, on my way to the gig, I, uh, I do vocal warm-ups in the car, just open up a YouTube channel and yep. do vocal warm-ups with somebody and it's really made a big difference. Yeah. It's really like uh, the control and stuff 
like during the show is yeah, yeah, yeah. changes everything. Do you do many covers? Right now we're about 50, 50, yeah. uh, with most shows anyways, the Bowie's thing is probably going to be mostly originals. Might yeah. throw some, um, some cover in there. And from the picks I've seen, you're a three piece. We are a three you and two piece. other guys. So you on guitar. So I take it you is the bass player and drummer. Yeah, rounding yeah. it out. Yeah, we got Brent Hildebrand on drums and Vinny Langlois on uh, bass. So are these friends that you new friends that you found through through ads and, and trying to put a band together, or or old musical friends that you've had for a while? Brent's an old musical friend, a uh, drummer that I knew from jams in Ottawa. Uh, I was a fan of his band, Perfect Nobody, and they broke up when we started jamming. And our sound guy, Steve Muss, had been bugging me about trying out Vinny for a while. Vinny's the wizard. He is an exceptional player. His mind is just so beyond mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and he's got all the gadgets and stuff. He built a, a MIDI bass. And he's incredible. He's a great player, but he's like a, an incredible mind. Mm-hmm. And so you're working on an album with these guys now. Yeah, yeah. We, we've got the tunes. Uh, it's just laying them down. Yeah. Getting them. And have they have they been contributing to the to the writing, or are these all pre-written songs you, you're getting them to put their sauce on? It's mostly that. It's mostly that they're pre-written songs. Yeah. I've written a couple during the pandemic, and Brent helped me write one of those, a uh, tune called Feeling Okay. Mm-hmm. That was written in about 15 minutes. Those are the best ones sometimes, those ones that just, just pour out of you. Yeah. So yeah. The ones that take longer, I feel, wind up getting filled with a little more compromise sometimes because it just gets to the point where like, ah, I got to finish this. Everything. Just got yeah, overthought it. I got to finish it. Second guessing yourself. Mm-hmm. So Bowie's. Bowie's. I love this place. We both do. We yeah. both love Bowie's. Everybody loves Bowie's if they've been there. Yeah. And uh, you played there a number of times. You used to, did you start on the open stage there? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you've, have you done other new music Fridays? I, I played with um, a local band called Abandoned Eden. Oh, okay. Um, that might've been on a new music. Yeah. I think it would have been a Friday. Yeah. 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 He does, uh, cause he does the, the open stages are Thursdays. Right. Friday is the new music night. Saturdays is bounced around. These days it's the jazz night. Okay. And then Sunday's uh like third Sunday of the month traditionally is his like uh singer songwriter showcase, the ticketed event. And that's usually the way people get into the new music Fridays. They'll hit the uh they hit the open stage. I think first. that's the way that it should be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a nice little rite of passage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like auditioning. Yeah. So you like Bowie's and you were born in Smith Falls. You spend any other time in this town? Uh, yeah, during the pandemic, uh, when there was no gigs, I was actually driving food around oh, in, yeah. in Smith Falls. Oh, yeah. Was that a Valley Eats thing? That was a Valley Eats thing. Nice. Uh, Our Valley Eats driver in the house. Yeah. Feeding the town of Smith Falls. Yeah, it was actually great. It meant so many nice people and yeah. stuff. This town has a lot of nice people. It really does. Yeah. It really does. And you are, as I mentioned at the top of the show, you're, you, are, you are a first here on the show because you're the first person who doesn't currently live in Smith Falls to be on the show. Wow. I, I really, I'm honored. I'm also honored to have you here. It's just worked out that way so far. I don't have a hardcore rule to, to, to not normally be having people who are out of town. But what I do have a rule on is that I 
how have I framed it before? People important to the town of Smith Falls. Mm -hmm. So I think playing music at Bowie's is important enough for people to hear about. And that's happening this Friday. People, in case you missed it earlier in the show, Rob Kerr and the show will be playing at Bowie's this coming Friday, November 19th, New Music Night. I believe the format these days is uh, two sets. Yeah, we're going to do two long sets. Yeah. There's going to be two shows, basically. Yeah, it's like yeah. a like an 8.30 show and an 11.00 show-ish. Uh, 11. Yeah. Ish, yeah, folks. Yeah. They play They play when they're ready. Yeah, we'll play a nice long set. Yeah. Both those shows. Yeah. Yeah. And you come out and you have some drinks and you put some money in the hat. When did, are you full-time music now? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. So you're playing, uh, I mean, probably not touring a lot with the pandemic, but you said you've started to, to open up a little more and play more shows again, which is yeah. great. Happy to hear that. Where are you playing most other than Bowie's? Where can people catch you? Well, I've been in Perth at uh, the garage a couple times recently. Played, What's that place about? I'm, I don't think I'm familiar with that place. Um, oh, I don't remember what it was called before. It's the Garage Sports Bar now. Okay. Um, I've played there, probably had five shows there since we opened back up. Yeah, nice. Um, they've been really good for us. Played the town uh, night market in Perth a couple of months back. Cool. Um, playing in Ottawa as well. Yeah. And what other places in Ottawa do you frequent? Well, we played, or I played the Brass Monkey a couple of times in the last month. Where's the Brass Monkey? That's uh, Green Bank and Hunt Club kind of area. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so a little more like Nepean yeah. area. The Brass Monkey is big. It's a big pool hall. Oh, nice. Um, but they do like live music, and it's mostly uh, rock and roll, like yeah. metal bands. Uh, and they get some names in there, like people that were famous. Mm-hmm are still sort of famous. Yeah. Yeah, they get good talent going through. So when did you turn to music full-time? In my 20s. I, I knew I knew I was going to be a musician when I was a little kid. Yeah. I, I knew. When, if you would have asked me when I was a little kid, what would you want to be? And I would have told you, a rock star. Right. It brings me to a place, and it always has. Yeah. It, are there other things you've been doing alongside that to sort of supplement and, and get by day jobs as we call them sometimes uh not for the last 10 years nice uh well a little bit of driving for valley eats right but for the majority of the 10 years uh, uh, it's been just music awesome yeah and what did you what did you dabble in before that as as, as day gigs i guess the last big job i had uh i did something called affiliate marketing yeah um which is um, buying and selling advertising space on Facebook is yeah. what I was doing. And I guess Facebook was about two years old. Right. And it was a blast. It was crazy. Yeah. That was the wild it, west it, of digital marketing. Kind of like Mad Men yeah. a little bit. Yeah. It was the wild west. of, And this whole new internet thing that they're going into with the metaverse. Yeah. Scary. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. After, after living that life, doing advertising, working... Like seeing the dirty side of Facebook. Yeah. yeah. I I actually went off grid. I lived off grid. I went and lived down a dirt road yeah. with, with no electricity, no internet, no phones. Just yeah. went and did that in Lanark for a while. Seeing behind the curtain will do that. Yeah. So I took a little break, played some music out there. Yeah. Wrote a bunch. Yeah. So what kind of guitar do you play? I have a Larabe. Um sponsored I've, by Larabe. I've heard about them yeah. before. Where are they out of? Oh, they were uh, a Quebec company at first. Uh, 
They're in California, Vancouver now. There might be some stuff in Nashville as well. I know somebody else who plays a Larrave. They're like the Bentleys of acoustic guitars. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love mine. Yeah, happy to play them. It, so what's a, what's a what's a sponsorship mean for you? Um, well, Larrave doesn't offer full sponsorship. Yeah. So I have a partial sponsorship, mm -hmm. which basically means I get their guitar at their cost. Yeah. Uh, which is about eighty percent off or something like that. It's a hefty discount. Yeah, when you're looking at thousands of yeah. thousands of dollars. Yeah. Pretty good deal for a guitar you'd want anyway. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I was working with this uh the guy, his name is Greg Sheputovsky. He's a guitar player in Ottawa. We were working together uh with a thing called My New Project when we got sponsored. I cold called them. Yeah. I cold called them and asked for the owner of the company. Yeah. And they were just the right size of company. Yeah. They went, oh, no, 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 you're not looking for him. You're looking for these guys. Right. Let me put you through to them. Yeah. And that's how that, and it's a good friendship. How's working with them? Have, do they offer, you know, aside, aside from graciously hooking you up with guitars, is there other initiatives they work on for supporting the artists they work with? Yeah. So if if I had stuff to show them to, to put out there, they would be putting that on their website, yeah. sharing that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And um, that stuff that you will have soon. How soon is that coming? When's it? What's the timeline for this uh, Rob Kerr and the Show album? How long do people have to wait? I don't know if it's going to be an album. Maybe an EP. Maybe a single to start off with. Yeah. Well, it, it might just be singles. Yeah. It might just. Uh, I don't know for sure which direction I want to go. Like mm -hmm. on a budget, maybe a singles the way to go. I'm thinking about something uh, called Distro Kid. Yeah. Uh, to release my own stuff. Yeah. It might be just the way to do it. Yeah, singles are, I mean, it's it's an interesting conversation. I have this conversation with people a lot in terms of the way I mean, people are thinking about albums less and less these days. I think on both sides, you know, the, the makers and the, and, the list, and the consumers, the listeners are less concerned about albums, you know? Right, yeah. And it, 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 an album is a really big undertaking. Really, really big undertaking. Yeah, it's a lot of money. It's yeah. a big, it's a big commitment. And then, yeah, and for that commitment, it's like if you if you can if you can get it all done and you put the blood, sweat, tears, and dollars and time into it, and then in this here today, gone tomorrow world, it's like you drop an album, and a month later, nobody knows it. It's an old album yeah. that came out ages yeah. ago. So yeah. that's a beautiful thing about singles. Yeah. You drop a single once a month, you're staying current. Staying fresh. Yeah. Look, it's new. It's new. It's new. You've got 12 songs. You can stay new for two years. Yeah. Or you can put them all out at once in one album and be old in two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of singles. Yeah, me too. For sure. DistroKid's a pretty good way to go. Yeah. I, I think it might be the way I do it. I run my label through DistroKid. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So I like the idea of... Um, I think one of the things that DestroKid is it it makes you official on some of the social media sites. Like uh, you get the little dot beside your name that says you are official. Yeah, I, I'll have to look into that because I could probably use a couple of those for some of the artists I work with. Um, so I don't I don't know about that. I do know that they you get like really instant and easy access to your like Spotify for artists profile. Mm -hmm. which is, I don't think it's that hard to do without DistroKid, but DistroKid certainly makes it easy. Okay. They also make it pretty easy to uh, do like a, a pre-save campaign okay. for your follows. 
and whatnot. The only one I would maybe consider other than the distro kid would be CD Baby. Right, yeah. They've been around forever. They've been around a long time. They cost a little more, both in terms of like initial setup fees for releases that you pay, and they take a cut, whereas DistroKid takes oh. no cut. I think they, I think CD Baby takes like 9%. Hmm. Um, but they also have like on-staff playlist pluggers. Like people that are going to put you out there? Sort of like well, a- so they say, right? They've got them on staff. And they're, they're people who are, who are doing their best to make sure that CD baby artists are getting on playlists. And uh, DistroKid doesn't really have that. DistroKid has some of their own playlists that actually have like a ton of followers. I don't know how much listenership they actually get. Right. Because a lot of the followers are probably just musicians. other DistroKid yeah. <laughs> musicians yeah. who, have, who have liked it as a matter of process in, in, in their process of applying to, to be on these playlists. Right. But they don't take a cut. So they don't, they have no, you know, big motivator to getting their artists on playlists and seeing, making sure that their artists make more money because they don't make, DistroKid doesn't make more money when their artists make more money. CD Baby makes more money when their artists make more money. So it's, it's a, it's a tough call. You know, it's like, it's a strange world. eh? Should I give up 9% of something or 0% of nothing? (laughs) Yeah. Or can I make, or can I give up 0% of something? Can I make that something happen on my own? And that's, uh, that's tricky. That's tricky. I know a couple people. I know a few people in the scene that I've rubbed shoulders with who actually do all right on Spotify. And yeah. it's, it's not always that hard from, from, from meeting these people. I mean, once you get through that, cross that threshold and, and get on a couple uh, official Spotify playlists, yeah, and that's in your history you tend to get on them more and more and more. Yeah. Once you're in the first one, it's going to be easier. Yeah. sort of like getting on that inside track. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, I mean, there's, there's plenty of valid critiques about Spotify and the royalty payment payments and such. Um, but I don't think it's as bad. I don't think it's as bad as people say. Uh, I know some guys that are making some money off of Spotify. Yeah. I know some uh, people who are making some rather decent money. Yeah. off of Spotify. And they're not household names. They're not huge no. stars. Uh, and and it's interesting too, the way uh, these verticals happen, you know? I know. I know people who do really well on YouTube, but they don't have a Spotify following at all. Yeah. And I know people who get literally millions of plays every year on Spotify, but only have a couple hundred YouTube subscribers and only maybe 900 likes on Facebook. Yeah, you know, it's a strange thing, maybe right? A thousand followers on Instagram, but they're yeah. Spotify. My friend Tiz, who plays Bowie's a lot, he's from Toronto by way of Ireland. He does pretty oh, well wow. on Spotify. He gets like millions of plays every year. Wow. And his old, but he attacked it like very strategically from what I know. You know, before, when he, before he released, like before releasing a lot of music, he, he made a plan and and decided, you know, I am going to do well on Spotify. That is going to be my avenue and and my target. And so he only sings sad songs, partially because that's what he likes to write, but I think it's also a conscious decision for him so that he gets on all the sad song playlists. Okay. And he just sticks to that instead of being like, yeah, I got a sad song, I got a happy song, I got an angry song, and being all over the map and trying to be that kind of versatile. I mean, he could write all those kind of songs if he wanted to. He's a super talented dude multi-instrumentalists. He could do anything, but he's just 
stuck to his vertical and it's worked out really well for him because it's like he, Oh, the sad song guy released another song. Great. Throw it on all the sad song playlists and yeah. Works out well easy. Yeah. 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 I, for a long, I'm a sad song guy too. A lot of my songs are either about driving or a town that I lived in or a breakup or I'm driving away to a town that I lived in during a breakup. And it's like something like that. And for a while I stopped. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to write sad songs. Like, I don't want to sing sad songs. I want to remember this yeah. crap. Yeah. Like these crappy days. I don't want to relive them every weekend. Yeah. You know? So I stopped for a while. And then uh, I was talking to somebody about this. And she was telling me that the world needs sad songs. And people, it brings people out of dark places. Or oh, it I think gives so. people a place to, to feel their pain. Yeah, talking about my friend Tiz, that's actually his his motto. He says, uh, singing sad songs for happy people. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of truth to that. Like, and like, come, even from, like, coming from a metal background, people always thought that I must be like this, some... Angry person. Angry person. I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm like the least angry person. You know, I get all my anger out in the music mm-hmm. and then I'm, and then I'm happy, smiling. And that, that's the truth for any metal dude pretty yeah. much you'll ever meet. Yeah. They're just big, happy teddy bears. All their anger's gone. It, it gets out in the music, you know? Yeah. Do you find that, you know, I mean, you said you, you stopped doing it for a while because, because it, because it was, it was building up for you, building up for you and you wanted to get away from it. What did, what did you find the effect of that to be stepping away from that? Did, did you, I mean, I'm sure initially it was probably like, oh, a breath of fresh air to not be doing it. Cause clearly you had that yeah. That want to step away from it. But after a while, did you find that perhaps the opposite was playing out? Were you not getting that outlet? How did that affect you? That's exactly what ended up happening. Like it was just, it built up like built up anger, you know, it was just, it, that's exactly what happened. It just overflowed. Yeah. And then I, I wrote a couple of really angry songs yeah. And, yeah. and the backup was done and that was good to go. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how long ago was that for you? That you stepped away from it? Uh, seven, seven years. And you stayed away from it for like, stayed, stayed away from playing and writing that kind of material for a couple of years, you said? A year. A year? Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, but I'd stopped performing. Right. Like I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't performing at all either. Right. So you, you didn't make the switch to happy songs. You just sort of stepped well, it, I took a breather. I can't write happy songs. Yeah. I don't write happy songs. Yeah. I, I mean, I write songs about driving. And yeah. that makes me happy. Yeah. Uh, um, but that's about as happy as it gets. And usually it's about driving away from a bad situation, yeah. you know? Yeah. Which also makes me happy. Yeah. 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 Well, it's always, there's always the yin and yang to that. Yeah. Sure. This is, this is where I kick and scream. This is the darker parts of my diary. Yeah. So after leaving it for a little bit and coming back and realizing that now you were overflowing, for you, did that mark any change going forward in terms of the way you embraced that outlet? Um, I, I, I don't know. I just sort of went back to what I was doing. I had a whole lot of songs that wanted to come out at me. Yeah. Like they had been building up the whole time. Yeah. And sometimes when I'm, even if I'm not writing, I'll be doing something and a song will start writing itself, you yeah. know, in me. And then I, I feel like they haunt me almost. Like they don't leave me alone until... I've yeah. done something with it, you know? Yeah. Nip at your heels. Yeah. Feed me, feed me. Yeah, yeah, the the melodies in my head, I'm yeah. singing along. 
It just won't leave me alone until it's done. Yeah. yeah. They say that's also the trick for getting a, an earworm out of your head, is to sing the song and sing the last note of the song. Oh, yeah. And then, and then the earworm can actually get out of your head. Oh, that's great. I'm going to try it. Yeah. yeah. So it's like if you, haven't, if you haven't finished writing the song, then there is no last note yet. Right. So it's just going to circle around and burrow through your head until you finish it. And that's, yeah. I, and like uh, the holidays sometimes I find difficult. Yeah. So I'm often like away for the entire holiday in the studio. Like yeah. I'll be gone for three or four days. Maybe yeah. don't take a shower. Maybe eat once. Yeah. Like some junk food or something. But uh, I obsess. Like a mad obsession. Yeah. So then you don't play much Christmas music yourself? No. No? You're not a Christmas no. guy? Uh, well, I'm pagan. I consider yeah. myself pagan. Yeah. Just the old religion, I suppose. Yeah. So no Christmas tree in your house? Not this year. Not, yeah. I, I had one last year. Okay. Um, so a little bit of... Little bit of I... I I celebration think Christmas is great to celebrate. Yeah. Like it's dark and dreary during the holidays. Like let's let's celebrate something. You know, yeah, I'll celebrate you. you I know? happen to be non-religious myself. Okay, but I love Christmas. Okay, I. Uh, you have kids? I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I got a, I got a five-year-old and a ten-year-old. Yeah, and you know we we are very secular, but they love Santa Claus and they love Christmas. I should probably give them better details on like what Christmas actually is. But since we aren't a religious household, they've just sort of grown into their own definitions of it. My kids think that Christmas is Santa's birthday. Oh, well, that's cool. Yeah. It was Santa's birthday and that he's just so nice that he gives everybody else presents on his birthday. And that's what they know Christmas to be. Santa gives presents because it's his it's, birthday. It's sort of the truth, right? Kind yeah, of. It kind of, doesn't stray too far off. Yeah. My son started, my son's 10, so he started to learn more about the real history behind it. Yeah, yeah. And whatnot. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they just love Christmas, so I love Christmas too. But, uh, and Christmas is, I mean, I think, I think every, everybody has, even people who love Christmas, Christmas can be a hard time. Yeah. For people. And there's a lot of people who have a harder time with Christmas <laughs> than others. I just wrote a country song the other day about having a hard time at Christmas. I'll yeah. share it with you sometime. It's not yeah. ready yet. I'd like that. I, Nor, <laughs> North and I were writing a song a couple of weeks ago. Is this a family show? Uh, yes and no. It's, it's, this show is marked explicit. Okay. This is the, the, speaking of firsts, uh, this is the first time, daytime one. I've oh, really? Done. Yeah. It was, I, I usually record at like nine o'clock or okay. later. Okay. More of a late night vibe. Yeah. Although some, it, it doesn't feel any different now because I'm realizing I don't have any windows in this studio. So it could be midnight for all we know. Well, um, right. But uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's like uncensored. Uh, we, yeah, you, we can swear. Okay. If, so, if that was your question, you, you can go ahead yeah. and swear. You can, you can say anything you fucking want. Okay. So the, the answer. Like the, the, you asked me earlier if I had any Christmas songs and I was sort of jamming at this thing called Fuck Christmas. Yeah. Um, okay, I should probably edit that out. North has a couple of Christmas albums, so. I think North would be fine with that. Well, you know what? Maybe. You know what? Song, songs are emotions, right? This is right. And, and we have emotions up 
and down. And it would be a Rob Kerr song. It wouldn't really be a Nora song. Because- you put yourself in, in different moods. You put yourself in this person's shoes and that person's shoes. I can certainly imagine owning and living in the mindset of somebody who is feeling at a particular moment, uh, fuck Christmas. Yeah. Absolutely. We all have a little bit of Grinch in us. A little bit. Everybody loves the Grinch. It's a reason it's a popular movie. Yeah. Everybody relates to the Grinch a little bit. Everybody is a little bit of the Grinch. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'll get grumpy sometimes. The song I wrote was, I Know I'm Gonna Cry on Christmas. Oh. That's the country song I wrote. Good title for a country song. I thought so. I, I just watched that Dolly Parton documentary on Netflix. Okay. It's just in a real... I haven't seen it. It's good. It's yeah. good. She's an amazing lady. Yeah. You much of a country fan? Um, ish. I love music. I like, I like some of everything. It doesn't have to be English. Like, yeah. I like every, a little bit of everything. Um, I don't like old country as much as I like newer country, but not the new country. The in-between country. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere in there. The I've been listening to Tyler Childers. Childers? Okay. I don't know his uh, stuff, but I'll have to check him out. It's kind of like mold, uh, coal mining music kind of yeah, yeah. country music. Yeah. I first got into country listening to John Fogarty mm-hmm. and Steve Earle. Okay. Love Steve Earle. Yeah, Steve Earle's good. So a little more on like the Americana side right. of, of country as opposed to like Randy Travis or right. any of that, like Vince Gill or... Yeah. Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks is pretty awesome, though. Yeah, Garth Brooks is pretty I'm like... Like, yeah, I could listen to Garth Brooks. I grew up thinking I hated country. Just just that sort of typical, like, well, I like all kinds of music, except rap and country. Right. But then I got into rap. And then later I got into country. And the biggest reason I got into country is I realized I was actually into it the whole time. And it was when I was... It was right around that same time I was getting out of metal... I was like, oh, I'm going to listen to some Steve Earle. I used to listen to Steve Earle all the time when I was a kid. Like when I was a kid, like, because my dad listened to Steve Earle. So I just heard it like off his cassette tapes and in his car. Right. And so I looked Steve Earle up on iTunes and it was like, Steve Earle, genre, country. Like, what are you talking about country? It's not country. Because I just have this like radio country, you know, stuff in my head. And then I listen to some music and I'm hearing the fiddles and the mandolins and the pedal steels and, and everything. I'm like, this is totally country. I just didn't know before because I was, you know, had this sort of definition in my head of like poppy radio factory pumped out kind of country in my head, which is, that's always the version of any genre of music that I'm, I'm not so hot on, yeah. you know, you know, I love punk, but I don't love pop punk. You know, I love hip hop, but I don't love pop hip hop. Yeah. The only kind of pop I really, really love is just like pop pop. Because right. I feel like it's not pulling any punches, you know? It's just like, no, we're we're pop. Yeah. That's what I am. It's pop it's a pop song. That's what it's meant to be. We're not pulling the wool over your eyes, calling it calling it country, but really just giving you pop with fiddles in it. Right. That's that's the I'm not a big fan of that. Or like the, the dance music that they're saying is country and it's like Got like a, a vocoder, like yeah. a vocal. Yeah, it doesn't resonate with me. No, or like the big kick drum bounce. Well, that's the thing about country. And that's why I would think that at least the real country would resonate with a guy like you is that country's supposed to be sad. Yeah. I hear all this country music coming out and it's like dancey and upbeat and happy. I'm like, that's not country. 
Right. You're not telling a sad story. Right. <laughs> You're not singing a country song. Yeah. Well, there was a there was a while where it was all about the values too. Like family values with yeah. country. You're either singing a song that was really sad or you were singing a love song about your family yeah. or your dog or your yeah, truck. Yeah, yeah. But now it's just bubblegum country. Yeah. Bubblegum pop music, but it's country. It's yeah. And I guess that's how music evolves. Yeah. It's just as it evolving into something that tickles my ear. Yeah. So, you know, leaving genre aside, what would you say where have you pulled your biggest musical and songwriting influences. Who's who's big in your world? Wow. I've been a Pink Floyd fan since oh, yeah. I was uh, like a little, little kid. I was listening to Floyd before I was born. So there's a lot of that. But uh, the, the 90s, the early 90s grunge yeah, yeah. really affected me. Um, I was never going to be the crazy good guitar player that does the, the, the big long lead riffs. I never really liked them anyways. Like, mm. the, I... I don't like playing them. Mm-hmm. Like so, when this grunge thing sort of happened, that sort of went to the wayside. You know, like uh, there wasn't a whole lot of that anymore. Yeah. And being an acoustic guy, when the the unplugged album started to come out, that whole time was like, yeah, this is this is who, who I want to be. Uh, maybe one day I'll do a plugged in album. Yeah. So, what was your uh... What were your big grunge favorites? Oh, I was a big fan of Alice in Chains oh, yeah. and uh, Pearl Jam and Nirvana and Soundgarden. Chris, Cor- Chris Cornell is my my idol. Yeah, I, I love to do what he does. Yeah, uh, I've been trying to do what he does for a couple of years now. And I don't have the voice that he had. Yeah, but not many people do. You know who does? And if anything, I thought was maybe better is the dude from Big Wreck. Oh, Ian Thornley. Ian Thornley. Yeah, Ian Thornley does sound like uh, Chris Cornell, and he does have that kind of range. Yeah. I, I went to see him. When was this? This would have been about 15 years ago. This was in Ottawa. I was working at uh, Capitol Music Hall. Okay. The guy was just a total monster. I was blown away. Because all I knew from Big Rec was like the big shiny tunes. tunes right. You know, Blown like, wide open. Yeah, just, just, just the hits. And so he was playing all this other stuff, and I was just, my mind was blown by what that guy can pull off i embarrassed myself with him i was this young kid like just so green uh i was working as a loader at barrymore's yeah and uh it's got that song called that song yeah and i went up to him and i said hey man i really love that song (laughs) and he looked at me and he had a straight face like no smile no no nothing and he looked at me and he said i haven't heard that one before and and that was that. Yeah. We we hung out later on the bus and had more time, but I made an ass out of myself right off the start. And I was so green. Yeah. I've been he was one of the st- first stars that I met. Yeah. You know? That's what I was doing at Capitol Music Hall. I was working as a loader. Okay. For Sean Scallon. You know Sean? Oh, recognize the name. He um, does a lot did, of shows. Did he do, uh, I think, I think, I think I do know this guy. Did he work with Kelly Wren? Is that those two I don't two know guys? Kelly, but okay. maybe... Yeah. He's worked with everybody in Ottawa right. on concerts and stuff. He used to do, he ran an indie label, Spectrasonic. He's an Ottawa staple for sure for the last yeah. 30, 30 years. Yeah, I, I think to see him, there's been so many people, yeah. you know. Yeah. He, most of his shows these days are at uh, the place on Bronson, Bronson Center. Oh, yeah, the Bronson Center. Yeah. Those are great gigs there. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a good space. That's Sean. Okay. That's actually, I was working as a roadie for North's band when I met North. Oh, nice. Yeah, like way back, all those years, Garrity. That was his band, Garrity? Yeah. I never knew that. I knew Garrity. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah. That's crazy. I'm going to have to look up Garrity again. Yeah. I haven't heard that name in like 20, 25 years. Yeah, it's been about that time. Yeah. Crazy. Garrity. Yeah, that's that's where I started uh, doing roadie stuff. Yeah, yeah. You done any other roadie stuff? Yeah, mostly mostly uh, in Ottawa. I mean, yeah, just Barrymore stuff. Yeah, I get to see the show for free. You get a yeah. few bucks, yeah. you know. Yeah, load the truck. Yeah, unload it. Yeah, get to watch the the sound check. You yeah. know, like cool kind of stuff. Yeah, I like I I always liked that behind the scenes stuff. I got yeah. to uh, I got to do some teching and loading for some pretty cool bands. Yeah, and acts uh, sort of neat, right? Over like, the years, I saw Nickelback before Nickelback was anybody. Yeah, they were they were in a bus. Like, yeah. well, Finger Eleven when right. they when they were the Rainbow Butt Monkeys. Rainbow Butt Monkeys. Yeah, we got hammered at the Royal Oak, causing shit at the Royal Oak. Yeah, yeah. one of the guys from Big Wreck punched out one of my friends. Nice. On the bus. That's a good story. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> rock and roll life, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're going to be rocking one more time yeah. this Friday. This Bowie's. Friday. My birthday. Oh, yeah. It's your birthday. It's my birthday. It's your birthday. It's Rob's birthday. And as he told me earlier today, it, it will be his, the first birthday he, he celebrated in Smith's Falls since being born here well no well i guess i was three well since being three yeah the last time i was here on my birthday i was shitting in my pants yeah there you Uh go it could be a good night on friday (laughs) let's (laughs) let's see if we can keep the smith's falls birthday streak going oh streak yeah funny come out and uh and and see rob and the show at Bowie's this Friday, new music night. Thanks so much for joining me, Rob. It was, hey, it was really a pleasure. Yeah, it it's really been a lot nice of fun, and I'm happy you were able to to jump in uh, this last minute. Yeah. And so you're, I think you're also my most last minute guest. I'm breaking records everywhere. Yeah, we're all about firsts here on this show. Like it. Yeah, we got a bunch of them here. Thanks so much, Rob. Likewise, it was really nice this to meet you, This has been Smith Falls On with Rob Kerr, and uh, come check him out at Bowie's. Rob Kerr in the show this Friday. And that, my friends, was episode 11 of Smith's Falls On, featuring Mr. Rob Kerr of Rob Kerr and the show, playing this Friday at Bowie's New Music Night. We do two episodes a month, folks. This is our second installment for November. We'll see you at the beginning of December. Thanks for tuning in. Take care.